Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for being with us this morning. We're starting a brand new series, a three-part called The Power of Blessing. What does it mean to bless or curse? Uh, one thing that a lot of Christians are unaware of is that when it says curse in the Bible, it is not cussing. It is cursing. Blessing means to speak well, to speak good towards someone. Cursing means I hope you die. Uh, I hope you stay unemployed. Everybody got the difference? So please stop trying to interpret the Bible with an American culture. It has nothing to do with cussing. Peter walked with Jesus three years and still cussed. Well, I will just go ahead and declare the Bible is what it is. I mean, I'm simply not condoning it. I'm just simply saying, do you see the difference? Uh, We're flawed, failed people who need a Redeemer. And until we get to heaven, ain't nobody in this room perfect, all right? Nobody has it all together, but we've got a Savior who pulls us all together and imputes to us His righteousness, and I'm so glad He does. And He declares blessing over us. By the way, just let me get it out of the way. In the bookshop, we're going to do three parts on this, and they're giving you a special for $23, the album, and a brand new free book called Imparting the Blessing to Your Children and Family. It's free if you get the three-part album. Okay, Genesis chapter 27, verse 30 through 38. After Isaac had finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too had prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my venison so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? Now he asked him who he was because his eyesight had grown dim and he couldn't see very well. I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Well, Isaac trembled violently and said, well, who was it then that hunted venison and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst into tears with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, me too, my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all of his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau cried aloud. Verse 41. Esau held a grudge against his brother Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are coming near, meaning he's near death. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. There's potential to be bitter when we see the blessing over the life of someone else other than ourselves. 
Even in churches, for some reason, God may bless another group more than yours, and I believe He does it because He's quite merciful. It's not always because one group is better than another. But when we see God's blessing over an individual, a family, or a group, let me urge us to respond by blessing what God is blessing. You'll never get in trouble that way. Love what God loves, encourage what God is encouraging. That will keep you from jealousy and bitterness and murdering your brother. So understand all of us as believers, everybody who's a believer, is part of the family of God. And God as a Father wants to extend blessing to every child of His family, regardless of our background. Now this particular blessing that I read in the Old Testament was reserved for a particular occasion. Kind of like the bar mitzvah where a Jewish boy turns 13 and he emerges into adulthood. One of the blessings that comes to this boy is money. Everybody gives you gifts. It's part of the blessing. So what did that blessing include? Well, the blessing included words of encouragement, words that are designed to give you courage for your future. And for many of you, you've had anything but that. The language used over you has not provided courage for your future, but instead questions about your future. If you have someone speaking over your life, significance, meaningfulness, and recognition of qualities and resources they see in you, hey, it gives you a little courage for your future. My first recognition of this occurred in the 11th grade, at least that's as early as I remember, but in the 11th grade in high school, we were required as a junior class and senior class to go to the office, and we had a, we had a microphone that went to every class, and we, every morning you had to read the daily devotion. It was a daily bread, and it was a very short scripture and devotion, and each of us took turns going to the office and reading. It. Uh, I'm reminded that was a public school and we didn't have murder or killings, but we did have prayer. You know, I don't know. You, you be the judge. About the worst thing you could do is get caught smoking in the bathroom, get in a fight, or I guess you could get pregnant. That was about it. So I mean, it wasn't very dangerous in that, in that culture. But I remember after I got through reading the devotion, and I didn't think anything about it, just what we're supposed to do. I was a good reader, and I had two teachers come after the pull me out of class and said, we want to talk to you, and I want to enroll you in this particular program we have, which has a state speaking contest. And I thought, wow, I don't know. No, we've got a speech teacher here, going to prepare the speech and train you, and blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, I thought, well, I was a little bit timid, but I said, well, Okay. Anyway, they, they did, and I won the state speaking contest in that. Well, well, then I got in a group called the Toastmasters, and I won that. And, and then when I was in the rock and roll band, I was certainly not very spiritual, but when I was in the rock and roll band as the young guy, they'd always make me speak to the crowd. I don't know if you can see what I'm seeing, but I was kind of wondering why me? And then it occurred to me, well, I'm not afraid to speak to people, and the bigger the crowd, the better I'll do. And I kind of liked it, and I felt comfortable, not uncomfortable. Well, how many of you realize that they saw something in me that I didn't have a clue about, and nobody had ever pointed it out, and it gave me a little bit of uh, boldness and courage to 
to, to move in those directions. And my wife on the way home last night reminded me, do you remember your high school annual? I said, no, but I remember some girlfriends I'm so glad I did not marry. <laughs> and I bet you do too. And in there they signed the yearbook. You guys still do that? You sign a yearbook? She said, it was amazing how many people said you'd be a good preacher. Now, you may not agree, but it was in my yearbook. It was in my yearbook, and I'm thinking, people, it wasn't because I was holy or spiritual either. They were just, it was about the ability to speak. Okay, that was giving you a simple illustration of something that would shape my future that I didn't have any idea about. Nobody had ever done that for me. And so as I emerged into adulthood, little by little, I began to say, hey, I can do this. And I did it. The second thing were words of love are expressed in a blessing. Words that affirm you, words that tell you you are loved and cared for. Third, words of acceptance are spoken. Uh, Ephesians 1, 6 says, through Christ, I am accepted in the Beloved. You know, you may have never been chosen to make the drill team or the uh, cheerleaders or whatever, or the last one picked to get on a baseball team, but, but my point is, you are accepted in the Beloved. When you become a Christian, God accepts all His kids as equal, and He loves you equally. Nobody gets special love and not special love. He's a good father. He loves you. So you get acceptance. And I love that. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you, and I accept you. So when he even tells me that when I approach God now in the New Testament, because of what Jesus did at the cross, I get to come boldly before the throne. I don't know where we got all this crawling stuff, but I get to come boldly to the throne of God saying, Daddy, Daddy, or Abba, Father. That's a word of intimacy and relationship. If you have an office and you're a CEO, or you're an executive and you have people working for you, under you, or even my own children, they have never come in and said, Oh, thou Judy, or a personal assistant to my father, Pastor Godwin, may, might as thou as please, could I have an appointment to see my father? They just phew, run through the door, run in, Daddy, I need five dollars. <laughs> That's relationship. And whether you're the President of the United States and your kids run in, no president gets mad. No leader gets mad. These are your children. They have a right to come in and interrupt anybody, right? That's what I'm saying. You've got that right with your father. Yeah, but I don't feel worthy. If you're a believer in Jesus, He's made you worthy. You may not be behaving properly, but you have boldness to come before His throne to obtain mercy and grace in time of need. I think that is so cool. Everybody's trying to merit to get to God and in Christianity. He says, hey, I'm accessible. I come to you. And He sent Jesus to come to me. So getting to God is about the easiest thing in the world. Anyway, I don't want to get off track. Okay. So, these words are not a one-time event as they were in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, they should happen repeatedly, all the time. Fourth, the blessing included the idea of prospering in life and happiness. 
You know, you got somebody significant looking at your life and saying, God's prospering hand be upon you, and if God's hand was upon you, at the end your life would be fruitful. People will live up to other people's expectation of them. For example, you'll never be anything, you'll never have anything, you'll be in jail at 25, you'll never get a job, you'll never get married, you'll never stay married. Those are curses. And they've been spoken to a lot of people. Last night, we had a lot of people who could recall words like that. But people, young people, children, who grow up in an atmosphere of affirmation, the kind of blessing I've described, are people who seem easily able to come into an understanding of what they're here for. Even when the family, listen to this, even when the family is not Christian, but is affirming, loving, and encouraging, the child does better in life. Well, my goodness, if that works for a pagan, that'll work for a Christian even better. And so you, can, you cannot affirm your children too much. Now, I could go back and say in my military family with five divorces and living with different relatives, nobody ever put their arm around me and said, oh, we love you so much, I believe in you, you've got a great future. But I turned around and said, I'm going to do that to my children, and I'm doing it to my grandchildren, and I hug them and kiss them, and I will till I die. I don't care, male, female, whatever, I'm going to kiss them and hug them and tell them, I am so proud of you, I love you. you oh, you are the most beautiful thing I ever laid my, I'm not letting you go out of this office. You look so pretty. I can't remember ever hearing that a day in my life. Well, I don't want to be hearing that one, I, but ain't nobody ever called me pretty or anything. I'm not too sure anybody ever said, our pastor is sweet either. I don't think I ever heard that one. I'm not sure I even want that one. But my, my point was, affirmation is a wonderful thing, and it's in the blessing. When God blesses you, He affirms you. He, de he declares who you are now in Him. And you must believe that. You're not who your parents said you were. You're not who your ex-spouse said you were, or what a coach or a teacher, or maybe some step-parent said to you. You're exactly who God has declared you to be. And at some point, you've got to get into agreement with that. I mean, that because you'll, you'll, you know, you'll live up to somebody else's expectation. Well, I was told I'll never be any good. I'll never have anything. And so you'll bounce around in life like a tumbleweed, and that'll come true. That's a curse. But God's blessed you with blessing. So, one of the fruits of blessing working in our lives is confidence. Confidence. And to accomplish anything significant in life, you've got to have confidence. Now, in the New Testament, the blessing I said is a little bit different. Blessing is meant to be relational, and it's to happen consistently. It's not just reserved for a particular occasion. So, I want to say over my children what was never said over me. Even I have become more careful in years uh, gone by to break away from self-imposed uh, declarations about my life. I can remember my mother saying to me, you're strong-willed, you're hard, and you don't need anybody. I thought that was really a blessing. That was a curse. It was not meant to be a curse, but it was a curse. And I refused to live up to that. And I said, that's pure rubbish, as I've learned better. I said, I am tenderhearted, I am merciful, I am kind, and I desperately need others. That's what's true. Not, you don't need anybody. That's nonsense. So people, if a parent has said that to you, we're going to break that in Jesus' name, because that's not who you are. So 
I understand that you've had things said about you. Uh, uh, you're a tightwad. You're selfish. You're, by the way, you can change that. Don't let that become a self-fulfilling prophecy. That is not who God made you to be, selfish, stingy, tightwad, uh, self-absorbed. You can change that. So, something happens to Esau when he discovered this blessing had gone to his brother. In fact, he's more concerned over the loss of the blessing than the loss of his inheritance. He cries out, oh my father, is there not a blessing for me? Bless me, even also my father. So some of the struggles men and women have in life is because they never enjoyed the blessing of a father. And accordingly, it makes you question whether the Father in heaven can be to you everything the Bible says He is, because you didn't have a father or you had an abusive father. And psychologists will tell you, you don't have to listen to me, that the image of God is shaped by your father. Well, that could be a deadly thing, right? If he's mean and abusive and judgmental and never approves you and is never satisfied, you're going to come in a relationship thinking God's the same way, some tyrant with a stick and a clipboard grading you every day, and that could be that's the furthest thing from the truth. Nothing like that exists with this kind of a father. So we are flawed fathers. He's a perfect father. And I was remembering uh, several years ago, I was reading a study that said prisoners in penal institutions always hate their father, and that most didn't have a father. Either they didn't have one because there was ever a marriage, or the father left home and they grew up in a fatherless home. Or the other side could be an abusive father. So they hated their father and they shaped their image of God the Father based on that. It was amazing. Prisons could give free Father's Day cards and nobody would take them but they would send a Mother's Day card. Interesting, isn't it? Just, just kind of how we get our self-image, or lack of it, from a relationship that a father has. So it's been concluded the two basic needs of a human are security and significance. The need to be loved and to be accepted. And if you've never had that in a natural home, thank God for Christianity. Through a new birth, you now can have affirmation and security and loved and accepted by a brand new father and a new home. So you might have come through a terrible family like us. But the point is, my self-worth and my identity now comes from my heavenly father. I didn't come from my mom and daddy. I came through them. God just needed to pick up some DNA from them to put me together and push me into His purpose and will. I've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, and so have you. You're not a mistake. Well, you are our little accident. No, you're not. They were surprised. God wasn't surprised. And God used their DNA to make you. You absolutely should be here, and you're right on time. So you live bold, and you live large, and you live up to that expectation. There's no mistake in God in you. So I discovered that I might have come through my parents, but I didn't come from them. I came from God. God said to Jeremiah, before, you, before the sperm hit the egg, I knew you. Before you were conceived in your mother's womb, I knew you, called you by name, and ordained you to be a prophet to nations. His purpose was already declared before he even came out a mother. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I tell you what, I didn't get much of this teaching when I grew up in church. It was heaven, hell, 
uh, or I'll fly away to Beulah land. That was about it. I, I could have done a lot better if I'd have had some better teaching to ground me in life. When you hear somebody say, I don't need anybody, let me tell you something. In your head, you just say, that's a lie. Even God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, obviously, the launching pad for that kind of a blessing is primarily intended to be parental. But don't look back at your parents vindictively if you didn't receive blessing and affirmation. You know, be merciful because they probably didn't get it from their parents or they didn't know any better. And there are many other ways to receive blessing. We'll go over that in some future lessons here. So what are the evidences of being blessed parentally? These are all good. Number one, you get a clear sense of identity. The kids know who they are because those over them can clearly articulate what they see in their child. Did anybody ever do that for you? That means when you've got a sense of identity, you don't have to prove who you are. You don't have to be the class clown. You don't have to go into some aberrant behavior to get noticed because you know already who I am and I don't need any group to affirm me. Let me tell you something. Uh, if I get in trouble, I just get in trouble. But I'm not going to join a gang. I'm not going to join a particular party or group because you just surrendered your brain and your soul to a group that says you must vote exactly like we say. You must think and agree on everything we say. And that's true not only in a political party, but in a denomination. Let me tell you something. Don't you let anybody do your thinking for you. Don't you let any political group do your thinking for you. Don't you let any kind of a religious group do your thing. I've got God's Word to guide me, the Holy Spirit, wise counsel, and I can think. And if it's not in the Scripture or if it's anti-Scripture, I have the right to say, no, I disagree with that. But today, in political affiliation and in religious affiliation, they want to clone you so that you have to agree on everything. Nobody agrees on everything. But I want to be accepted. Well, you need to get with Jesus and get a better sense of your identity. He didn't make you to be a drone or a clone. He made you. He doesn't want you conformed. He wants you transformed. You're uniquely you. So stand out and speak out. Be, be yourself. If somebody won't like it, suck it up. Too bad. I don't like a lot of things other people do. So what? But getting a clear sense of who you are means I don't have to get my identity from some group or their approval. And churches are filled with it. Pastors are controlled by it. I want everybody to like me. Well, I don't. I don't want everybody to like me. Even Jesus says, beware when all men speak well of you. You must not be doing something right. Thank you. Secondly, when you're blessed parentally, you evidence emotional stability. You're not a fruitcake. You're not a basket. You don't fall apart like a cheap sweater. You, 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 you're stable. You're not unstable. Reuben is unstable as water, God said about him. Unstable. A double-minded man is, well, I'm in, well, I'm out, well, yes, well, no. Well, make up your mind. The Bible says the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Don't marry a guy like that or a girl. Don't do it. And don't, don't, don't hook up to a leader that's double-minded. That's why I don't know how you can identify with one party. They always say one thing, then vote another way. Amen. If you believe all the hype by any party, you're nuts. 
They can't deliver all that hype. When, when has that ever happened? Keep your, keep your brain. Keep your thoughts together, okay? Emotional stability. You're not going to, yeah, sweetheart, God bless you, whatever. Thank you. I love you. Number, number three, they have relational capacity. That means they're not intimidated by anyone, and they don't try to intimidate anybody. They can walk in a room not knowing anybody there and never be uncomfortable. My wife can do that anywhere. She can walk into a group of people, and in I mean, 10 minutes, I'll look over there, and she's got 12 people around here just going right at it. I don't know anybody in the room. I mean, she's just that way, right? She just, she just does. So relational capacity. Uh, someone told them you can communicate with anybody, rich or poor, uh, different race, different culture, different nationality, famous or not famous, to be comfortable in the presence of others. Just because somebody, if Bill Gates came in, I'm not going to drool and go, oh my God, Bill ba Gates is here. Bill Gates is a sinner. Bill Gates needs a Savior. And Bill Gates can make computers, but he might not have a whole lot of wisdom in the Bible about life. So I would feel very comfortable talking to him. I had Governor Rick Perry in the back room there, and we discussed our aviation careers and flying, just like talking to any of the boys sitting over here in the leadership team. But no need to be. He puts his pants on the same way I do. I don't care what his net worth is, and that's got nothing to do with it. My point is, you ought to be comfortable. Don't you be intimidated by anybody. You walk in, bowl, hold your head up high. God made you who you are, and so when you get a good, clear sense of blessing from a family and parents, you get this kind of a, uh, a relational comfort. I'm comfortable with any group. I, I am comfortable. I don't, I don't care if you're a stripper or you're part of the, the, the gay community. I can talk to you comfortably. I can talk to you and embrace you in a friendship way. I don't have to agree with you to be your friend or to love you or to be kind to you. It's not necessary. I'm, I love all of the communities and races and nationalities we have in here. Y'all are, God made you. I, that, who am I to say there's anything wrong with any, any of that? I'm, I'm just simply saying our behavior is another thing. I wear some of you lovely people of the same political party, the same race, you are naughty as you know what. So you got no right to look on anybody else with a judgmental attitude. He just told me to love people, so I'm going to try to love them and preach the truth. It's up to you to make your own choice. I'm not a policeman. you you got to make your own choice. Okay? I'm just comfortable with that. I'm not going to get up and tell my church, I voted this way, I voted that way. I don't see where I was ever called to tell you how I voted. And in the New Testament, they didn't get to vote. Jesus never cast a vote. Nobody even had the right. It's a civil right, not a biblical right. It's a, and thank God for it. So you should vote. You should vote. You don't want to lose that. People die to have that precious freedom. But please, that's not a biblical right. It is a civil right. Getting a tax deduction for your charitable giving is not a biblical right. Nobody in the Bible got a tax deduction from the Roman government for giving their tithe. We do. Thank God for it. It's a civil right, but it's not a biblical right. I always ask people, I wonder if you'd still be generous if we didn't get a tax credit, simply because God told you to. I don't even want to find out. I don't want to find out. We might be meeting at Motel 6 after that. I don't know. We'll see. Then there's a sense of purpose. Parents have helped you discover your gifts, capacities, and then channeled you in the right direction so you can become what they see in your future. 
And when you're doing what you're designed for, oh man, you have energy for life. You love what you do. May I say to parents, don't push your kids to become what you never became. Don't force your children to live your unfulfilled dream. You could hurt them because God has a plan for each of your children that's different and diverse. All I want to do is give them good value, a relationship with God, security, affirmation, a sense of identity, but God alone has the right to call them to a particular purpose. Let Him decide. If you're a family of doctors, one of your kids may not want to be a doctor. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. Quit trying to make them be what you never were and live your unfulfilled, unhappy life through your children or you'll really screw them up, right? The Bible says, the seed of the righteous shall inherit the earth. So I quote those scriptures over my children every day. They're blessings because they're affirmation from God's Word. And He says, in the tongue is the power of life and death. So the Bible says, great is the peace of my children, for they are taught of the Lord. The seed of the righteous, that's the children, shall inherit the earth. They shall be mighty in the land, not unemployed. Wealth and riches shall be in their household. They shall possess the gates of their enemies. Wow. Those are, I've been speaking that over my kids since they were knee-high to a grasshopper, and I speak it over my grandchildren every single day. That's what God says. So I'm in parting that. I'm shaping their future. They don't have a clue. But I know exactly what God says, a sense of purpose. And how about, how about this? When Jesus spoke blessing over His disciples, He called them salt of the earth, lights of the world. He, anything was true but that when He said it. These guys were sucking their thumb. Thomas was going to end up saying, I ain't believing unless I see him and touch him that he's risen from the dead. Peter is a disaster. James and John want to call fire down from heaven. They're called the sons of thunder. And they are, they're a train wreck. But Jesus is blessing them, and he's saying over them what's going to be in their life. And you know what? At the end, they actually become what he said. So don't be intimidated by the behavior of your children or how bad it may look at the moment. You continue to say what God says over your husband, over your wife, over your children, right? You can do something besides sit. Come on. You got to, God gave you some power here and some authority. Then there's a capacity for success that comes. That's number five. A lot of people self-destruct when success comes. They can't handle it. You must be prepared for success. It's heavy business. Success brings heavy responsibility. Your life now is preparation for success. Jesus said, if you're faithful in a little, you'll be faithful in much. But if you're unfaithful in a little, you'll be unfaithful in much. Joseph as a slave, Joseph as a prisoner, was preparation for his future. He was handling budgets. He was handling money. He was handling people. He did it as a slave in Potiphar's house. He did it as a prisoner falsely accused in jail. And I hear people, young people sometimes say, well, they don't pay me enough to care. Oh, I didn't know care was related to how much you make. It's an issue of character. That's the stupidest, selfish thing I ever heard. 
And here's my answer. No, you won't, no matter how much they pay you, jackass, because if you're unfaithful in a little, Jesus said, not Rick, you're going to be unfaithful in much. If you can't be generous with $20, you won't be generous with $20 million or the $487 million lotto. No, you won't. Jesus said so. I'll stand on it. I'll bet that Word of God against you any day if you can't handle a little. So, if you can't flip hamburgers and make them well and be excellent and get along with employees in a minimum wage job, don't be looking for no high-paid job. It's not going to come. Everybody that made anything rose out of obscurity and small things to become great. David kept sheep, did what his daddy told him to do. There was no key there was any greatness there, but he was responsible, he was trustworthy, and he was courageous. He had killed animals to protect his father's flock, and when he walked up to see a giant, he said, I've been to this rodeo before, I'm taking this dude down. Learning how to—if I'm working at McDonald's, I'm watching what the manager does, I'm watching how the employees act when he's not there. I'm watching I'm learning how people behave. When Joseph went to prison, don't you think he understood how the system started to work? And as a, as a responsible man, he was able as a ruler of Egypt to spot the liar and the cheat, and he knew the system because he had already been in it. He knew from slavery. He knew from Potiphar's house, who was royalty, how to behave. He knew culture. He knew protocol. And in jail, he understood how to, how to discern these guys up and down. None of that was wasted. You're not wasting your time at the moment. Yeah, there's going to be a better future for you, but take what you can now and learn and be as good as you can with what you have right now. Okay. Well, when they put me on staff and pay me full time, then I'll be, no, you won't. You're still a jerk. You'll just be a paid jerk. You're not excellent now. You won't be excellent then. We used to teach a Sunday school class, and I was full-time employed secularly. I prepared just as hard as I do full-time. I, I tell everybody, this is a family. You've got to bring your A game. Some people, some people, they don't show up. A couple of our—we booked a whole bunch of food trucks. Some of them didn't even show up, didn't call, didn't even show up. That's life in America today. Nobody's responsible. Nobody's excellent. The workers don't show up. And I'm thinking, man— what if I pull that? Say, well, where's Rick? I don't know. He didn't. He didn't call. I don't. You got a sermon? I, you want? Okay. This is our home. This is excellent. I'm not about to show up. Un I'm always prepared. I'm, I'm on my game. And I'm telling you, we want every worker, every leader, paid or unpaid, be on your game. Treat this house like it's your house. I don't like stains. I don't like duct tape. I don't like Bondo. I don't like stuff out of place. I don't like runs in the carpet. I don't like that. Why? I'm a man of excellence. God is an excellent God. If you want to be dirty and low down and cheap and nasty, go home. This is a house of excellence. I want people to say, my goodness, never seen a place like that. So clean, people so friendly, so nice. Everybody seems well prepared. Quit thinking that being excellent and going the extra mile is connected to a paycheck. It is not. You ought to be that before you ever get a paycheck, period. But in a family, you get a capacity for success. And I can tell you, God wants to release blessing into your life. The good news is, regardless of where you've come from, you can and you will change if you go to the right source to get what you need. Listen, to, almost through. Luke 24, verse 50. This is Jesus. And when He had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up His hands and what? Blessed them. 
While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple praising God. Don't you find it extraordinary that the very last thing Jesus does before leaving earth is to bless his disciples? And I didn't read it, we'll do it in another message, but he picked up children in his arms and blessed them. The disciples tried to get them away. He just picked them up. I pick up kids from every race and culture. If I see them walking around here, and I can't, if it's a little girl, you are so pretty and so cute, and kiss them and hug them and bless them. Jesus did that regularly in his ministry. His disciples said, they're not important. Get them away. Jesus said, suffer little children to come to me. Forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. He blessed everything he picked up and touched. I'd like him to pick up my kids. Hey, forget them. I'd like him to pick me up and lay a big blessing on me. And he has, and I'll, I'll explain that. So it's in the blessing that we have now in the New Testament, in that blessing with Jesus, he gave them the desire for prosperity, the desire for favor with God, the desire for peace, the desire for the blessings of God, the desire for purpose and identity. And the conclusion of that blessing was they returned to the city with great joy. And that put them in a position of being able to return blessing to God the Father. Now, Scripture says, and listen to this as we end up, Scripture says if we're believers in Jesus, we are inheritors of every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Okay? Number 6, verse 22. Look at the side screens. This is what Aaron and the priesthood, his sons, were to say over Israel. The Lord bless you, watch and guard and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and enlighten you and be gracious, kind, merciful, and giving favor to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace, and I will bless them. God says, you say it, I will bless them. Parents, you declare it over your children, God says, I will enforce it over your children, over your husband, over your wife, over your life. Never curse, always bless. Bless even your enemies. And we don't have time to go there, but even though they may curse you, when you bless them, that curse comes at you and returns to them and sticks on them like bubble gum on a hot summer day. You don't want that. And so, that's, it's, it has a military purpose that curse without a cause cannot come. So, bless those who curse you and despitefully use you, even your enemies. And I assure you, God the Father wants to break any cursing over your life you've carried from the past. Last verse, last scripture, we're done. Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14, Christ has redeemed us who believe in Him from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, that all the blessings of Abraham may come upon us through Christ. Now what are the blessings of Abraham? Number one, the blessing of elevation, promotion. God will lift you. Number two, the blessing of possession, ownership. Number three, the blessing of dominion, victory over your adversaries. You have to fight, but you get the victory, and it gives you confidence. So everything God blessed Abraham with, Galatians 3 says, I inherit 
though not racially related to Abraham, spiritually I am through Christ, I get all the blessing. So I am blessed, I am highly favored, I am a delightful son of the Most High God, and if you're a follower of Jesus, so are you. And every one of those is yours. And no curse, whether it's physical or financial or inherited uh, or spoken, has any legitimate right over a believer's life, and you have the authority to break it, renounce it, and declare over your life what God says about you. You're to be fruitful and productive. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. That's not survive. That's not get by, bump along, hang in there. That's thriving. God wants His kids to thrive. I don't hope my kids just, I just hope they're not unemployed. I got bigger plans than that for them. How about you? I, God, here's what God said, David said, I've been young, I've been old, but I've never seen the seed of the righteous forsaken, nor his children begging bread. You may have come from a bad background. I did too. But my kids won't, and they don't have to. And I may have had to beg for bread. I may have been necessary to need a food stamp. But my kids won't, and your kids won't either. God made that promise. So if you'll just obey this book and do what Jesus said and believe what He said, that's going to come true. Your kids are going to do great in life. Would you bow your head with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many of you can think back right now in your mind and hear a voice? It could have been a parent, a step-parent, a relative, a coach, a teacher. Someone spoke something over your life, and you still can hear it or think it. Just, just heads bowed, hands up. Let me see. All right? You now know that that has no legitimate right to work in your life. And in just a second, we're going to break it. You have the right to break it. But now replace it with the Word of God, what God says about you, who you really are in Christ. And we've got scriptures in the bookstore that you can just walk around the living room or walk out in the yard and say them over yourself. That number six, just say that over your family, over your children. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord God give you His peace. Pray that one. God says, I will then enforce it. I will do it. Blessing has power to shape your future. You're not cursed anymore. You're blessed. You're going to die at 60, just like your mother did or your daddy did. He had high blood pressure. He had uh, cancer. Uh, he died at 57. His father died at 57, and you'll die. I break that curse. Only God has the legitimate right to ordain my days, which are numbered in His book. And no word by some human has the right to enforce a loss of life over me. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. At last, I'm going to pray for you just a minute. If you've never accepted Jesus, He's the curse breaker. He's the one who gives you life eternal. Says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. My plans for you are good, not evil. He's no respecter of persons. He loves you just as much as goody two-shoes or anybody else. And He will accept you if you'll come to Him, if you'll ask Him. It's grace and it's mercy. And if you've never done that or you're not sure, please, could I include you in my prayer? I won't bother you, won't come to you. 
Just slip a hand up and take it down. Say, Rick, include me in that prayer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Upstairs, downstairs, thank you. God bless you. Okay, I'm going to pray. And I want everybody in this room to pray so everyone who lifted a hand can pray out loud as well. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me and paid for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. Come into my heart today as my Savior and my Lord. Forgive my sin and give me the gift of eternal life. Thank you, I'm a new creation. All things are passing away. All things have become new. Thank you, I have a hope and a future. It has been sealed and purchased by Jesus. And I choose to live that purpose. In Jesus' name, I break every curse, every word, every judgment spoken over my life that contradicts your will and your purpose for my life. I renounce it in Jesus' name, for I have been redeemed from the curse by the death and resurrection of Jesus, that all the blessings of Abraham, the blessing of promotion, the blessing of ownership, and the blessing of dominion are mine through Christ Jesus. And I receive every one of them in the name of Jesus. I also renounce and break any word that I have cursed myself with. I break any curse through my ancestry, genetically, physically, emotionally, or financially that is working on my life. I break its power now, and I receive all that Christ has for me. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Come on. That's worth a shout. Woo! For more information on Summit Christian Center and Rick Godwin, visit SummitSA.com and connect with us on social media 